we go. You're listening to the Skipping Church podcast. What's it do? It turns all your bad feelings into good feelings. It's a nightmare. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. With Shane Fleeman and Corey Johnson. Welcome back, everybody, to the Skipping Church podcast. This is Shane, as usual, and uh, Corey, do you want to introduce our guest today? So we have two. Um, one is a return guest, so poet Josh, Josh Colseth, right? Yeah. Yeah, you then, nailed it. Don't, don't correct me, Josh. And then, uh, <laughs> and then so through Josh, he, after we had had Josh on, he uh, was doing some work at Tech, and we met uh, Professor David Larmore. Is That's that, right. right? Mm-hmm. And then he's the head of the classical, the classics, I guess it's classical studies of language or something like that. The correct phrase? That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like uh, we had been kicking around this and I, I would say this, kicked this idea around for a while about just because I think we have some similar interests. Or I think David has a lot more. Uh, really, we can nerd out and talk to David all day is probably what's going to happen. But, uh, um, but yeah, so... Uh, First things first, David. We got a. Uh, you obvious. You have a very beautiful accent. So, where where did you grow up, and and how did you get here, man, in Lubbock? Uh, I, I grew up in in the UK, um, sort of between London and Belfast. My uh, mother was English, my father was Irish, and um, we migrated back and forth quite a bit in my early childhood. Uh, and then I went to uh, secondary school and, and university in Belfast uh, and then came to the United States originally to do a master's degree at Illinois, intending to stay uh, for only a year. But I've been in Lubbock for 32 years, so oh. that plan obviously didn't quite... Oh, you've been here that long? I have. This was my first job out of uh, no kidding, university. Yes. Do you like Lubbock or... I, I do. I mean, it's it's easy to live in. Um, it's not humid. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I have basically enjoyed my time here quite a lot. Um, and uh, at the university, I, I was able to build the classics program up quite a bit. Right. And um, have basically been able to follow my own interests and that kind of thing. So, so one thing that... Uh, especially like from me and Shane talking a lot is we have interests that aren't really, I guess poet Josh gets drug into this too. Um, so why classics? Like what, what about, cause not, you know, I, I guess it's, I think people today resonate more with like, what are they called? STEM majors, like science mm-hmm. and math and whatever, whatever. But, but people don't, like I, I don't know how big is the poetry department, like the English, is it, is it pretty big? Like, cause not very many people give a crap about old stuff or oh, okay you know history i think a problem in Texas. that's what's interesting is like the study of classics used to be such like a fundamental part of education in in this country and, and now it's sure, not in yeah. the uk and it's kind of dropped off i think you skim over like i think in high school i maybe and i may loved history since i was a little kid i think maybe in school you skim over world history real fast mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but um why classics for you so why did you decide to well, um, the the trajectory was a little unusual. Um, I learned Latin in school at the age of 11 because that's what we did in that particular yeah. school. But 
round about the age of 15, I, I did very well in a mathematics exam unexpectedly and was sort of catapulted into the advanced stream of mathematics and um, the school, which, which was quite dom domineering in many ways, said, well, obviously you're good at math, so you should Do math. pursue that as your career. And you specialize quite early, around the age of 15 or 16 in, in British schools. So um, you, you get to choose really three subjects that become your specialization with a view to going to university. So I was sort of stuck in the mathematics stream, but I also enjoyed Latin and French a lot. So I managed to keep the two going. Um, and I duly applied to university to do mathematics. And um, I went to the open day at the local university where they took me to the computer department. Computers were just beginning to get off the ground then. And for me, it was so boring and uninteresting. Yeah. And, you know, the people who were wandering around yammering about computers, I thought, were just <laughs> incredibly dull. And um, I, I was having misgivings already at that point because the exams in, in maths were getting much harder and... Were, were becoming quite an unpleasant experience for me, whereas in Latin or French, I never felt afraid because I could Enjoyed control it. the languages. Um, but I went home from this open day anyway. I had dropped in at the classics department just to have a look, and I saw all these books, all these writers that I thought, gosh, you'll never get to read those once you leave school. You'll just be working doing <laughs> mathematical things or accounting or you know heaven help us computers and I went home and obviously it was sort of brewing uh, and then one night I woke up I think it was about two in the morning and I thought I don't want to do mathematics at university I want to do classics so I tiptoed into my parents bedroom and sort of told them in the middle of the night that <laughs> I'm sorry I don't want to do mathematics I want to do classics and I waited for the you know for the storm to break but all they said rather sleepily was well we sort of gathered that when you came home from the open day oh they're um, like yeah that's great Dave go back so, to bed <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically yeah. <laughs> when I went to school the next day the mathematics teacher was very abusive and, and sort of called me names of one kind or another uh, but the classics teacher was very kind and encouraging and um, uh, and so was the French teacher and so everything changed at the very last minute and I found myself as an undergraduate doing classics um, which I you know basically enjoyed obviously the job prospects are never as secure right. or easy but but I never really looked back and that's how I ended up doing classics and I, I was just inherently interested in the material I liked the languages. Um, I had to learn Greek very quickly one summer, um, but I found it all very interesting, and and I have actually enjoyed most of my time uh, as, a, as an academic. Was it, was it this? I mean, this is you don't have to answer. I guess I, I, were your parents educated? Um, because my, like for me, like I I'll, I'm the first person in all of my family that's ever gone to college. Right. My 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 mother had an art 
degree. She was a sort of painter. Uh, my father did not go to university because he joined up um, uh, for the Navy in the in the Second World yeah. War and then entered a sort of um, civil service job um, after that. So, so there wasn't a great deal of experience. I, I had an uncle who had gone to university to do science and uh, that kind of thing, but it was... It was a pretty novel realm for me. I knew a bit about it. But, but yeah, you were the first to go in there. How about you, Josh? I don't remember asking you that either. Uh, no, a, a lot of people in my family have gone to college. Yeah, yeah. so uh, my mom has a master's degree in education, and um, my dad didn't go to college though. But yeah, a good amount. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah. Not 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 me. Yeah, we're just a bunch of rednecks. Um, so like we got you kind of covered that. Um. So classics, for people who don't know, it's it's basically just the study of ancient Greek and ancient Roman. Or Latin, I'm sorry. Yes, the Greeks and the Romans. Right, and, yeah. it, and not just the language, but culture and language and history, everything. Yes, it's a very broad discipline. It, it's the original interdisciplinary study because right. you can do languages, you can do history, you can do literature, mythology, religion, coins numismatics, archaeology. Um, you can branch out into things like Egypt or the Near East. It, it has a, a very large array of opportunities. So you, like here, for instance, you can get a classics BA without any languages if you want to. You just do the this, other courses. Right. And so, I, I mean, I'm, I have a obsession with like we talked the other night you know like yes. I, I like greece ancient greece a whole lot which i'm not i do enjoy uh rome too but so i might my questions might fall more towards the greek side that's especially, all right i'm not a huge fan of the romans okay anyway, yeah myself. especially especially from what mm -hmm. we were talking about and like what all of us kind of i don't know what you'd say kind of have like that common theme of what we're talking about we'll get into it but um so why is so like for somebody this is something that i have to i don't have to but like let's say like for me going to school or all the crap I read and stuff like that, people sometimes like, why are you interested in all that? So like, I'd like to get your take on why is Greek, why is ancient Greece important? Like I have an idea. I think pretty much everybody in the room has an idea, but maybe for someone who doesn't know, like why is ancient Greece important to like modern day? Like why, why should people care about ancient Greece? Well, uh, a lot of what we do today does ultimately derived from the Greeks. Most of our literary forms come from the Greeks, like drama, um, poetic forms. Uh, they invented theater. They invented organized athletic competition. Right. Mm -hmm. um, philosophy comes from, from the Greeks, basically. Um, there is a, a more or less unbroken line, thanks to the Renaissance, um, between the ancient Greeks and us. And also, it's clear to me that, you know, their, their mythology is terribly complex, as is much of their literature and their history. And once you start delving into that, I, I believe myself that, that they knew things, they saw things that we don't necessarily. And so... Um, working yourself into this material I, I, I believe is beneficial 
not only for one's own intellectual or personal growth, but I think in, mu in much broader terms too. Yeah. I think growth is a. I think for me, like when I look at like a lot of the stuff with ancient Greece, it's such a weird. When I say weird, um, yeah, I'm gonna say weird because it, it's such a like we were talking about the other day. Like, there's such a I don't know what you call it, like a pressure or a cultural influencing of like self improvement. Like they, mm -hmm. you have philosophers, everybody wrestles, everybody the 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 culture like pushes people to you know you should wrestle you should do uh philosophy you should better yourself and like i guess i would say the strive for human perfection i don't know like what's a what's a is it the socrates quote where he says no man's lived until he's seen what is like try to perfect the human body or something like that like through exercise yeah i was trying to think of it whenever you were talking about it I yeah can't i can't recall their exact quote but but that's a weird thing because today it's not like that at all people i don't think people fall i don't think people really even child rearing i don't think people really they kind of push their kids like oh you should go to college you should get a good job you should make money i don't think a lot at least in my experience i don't think anybody ever told me i should like culture myself i, I wonder should. if you see that reflected more in like um like korean culture and like Maybe. asian countries now like that that uh well I, yeah, the I, pressure from the parents definitely yeah um, and asians like you know because i have a you know because a coach and me and the chinese have a history together so it's like yeah they're beating me up or i'm learning from them, one of the two but uh but yeah like there's one thing about asian culture that was really different for me because you know i'm poor redneck guy is man they're very big on education it is slammed into them from a young age and not just that but also music everybody has to take violin lessons or piano lessons or cello lessons and uh some of them put their kids in martial arts but not a lot but some of them but they they don't have the uh I mean, this is just my, from my experience, um, they're really hard on education and music, but not so much on physical activity or sports. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, and this is, goes to what we were talking the other day is I think one of the things about ancient Greece that makes me love it so much is <clears throat> outside of like the military history stuff is, is like, man, these guys were tough. And it was, it was like, everybody wrestles, everybody you know, there was a big emphasis on, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is like on sports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here I think sports is, in America, it's pretty, pretty big, you know. I mean, like kids play basketball, they play football at a young age. And I think team sports really help a lot. But I don't think there's a whole lot of team sports in ancient Greece, right? No. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think the individual sports. And this, we can get into this too. Is the growth from like when we all know because we do jujitsu and train and stuff is individual competition is a very very different thing than playing basketball, you know. And they they're very every yeah. And there's no team sports. It's individual sports. Almost none. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, well, Plato in his Republic talks about the two halves of education, and the two halves are musicae, which is the province of the muses so things like history and art dance but also gymnastica which is related to gymnasium or gymnastics and that's the sort of athletic side um, and agonistic competition and for plato as as for ancient greeks in general i think these two are inseparable right so the Greek gymnasium is not just a place where you would go to practice wrestling or other 
um, competitive sports, you would also go there to hear lectures in philosophy, to hear poets producing their latest work. So the, the whole thing is is joined. There is no separation between the two, and that's quite hard for us as moderns to come to terms with. There have been sort of attempts, I think, in Anglo-American history to to sort of bridge that gap, but it's it's very, very difficult because modern times trend in different directions. Yeah, there's not um, too many poet football players in high schools these I days. I can't even... <laughs> it's there difficult. Are, there are some. No, there's probably that. some, yeah. And this is where my able research assistant comes in so handy because... Young because Master he, Josh. He does. <laughs> he does actually do two... He does both sides. Right. In a way, which, you know, without wish, wishing to inflate his ego any further... <laughs> does channel something from the Greeks. And I'm sure he's not unique. I'm sure there are plenty of others um, yeah, who follow it, along these lines. We, we were talking about this the other night where you, you were rolling. It's like um, jiu-jitsu, and I'm sure wrestling's the same way. I'm not sure I never wrestled like in high school. Wrestling's not big in Texas, or at least in Lubbock. Mm. I mean, the, the, most of the wrestling teams in like your Lubbock high schools are taught by football coaches. Mm. So you don't have like a real wrestling coach. Not you know? like the Midwest. So right, not right. like Iowa. Everything right? goes to Illinois. Football here. Illinois. Even, you know, it's like we have a, a, a teammate who's been on the show before. His name's Livingston. He has a gym in Oklahoma City. And just, it's so crazy because once you just hop into Oklahoma, which is just you know, three hours, four hours north of here, wrestling's huge. I mean, these guys, at his gym, he has probably 10 D1 wrestlers, but they do jujitsu because they're done wrestling and it's just kind of, ah, it's kind of grappling. It just lets them keep doing what they love and it's new. It's different, but it's similar in some ways. But, um, you know, jujitsu's a, well, I would say, I would go to say grappling in general is different, but it's a, it's a different, it's so much different. It's more than a sport. I'll say that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, I, we compete in it, but it's more than a sport. And I don't like calling it a self It's a lifestyle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's another I would thing. say, like, Ugh. talking about uh, the gymnasium and the melding of philosophy and uh, competitiveness, I think nothing else really comes close to what jiu-jitsu does in that regard. Well, because there's such a emphasis on the mindset and the teaching and the... The the letting letting yeah. go of your ego the, like, there, in combination with the physical competitiveness. Yeah, there is a philosophy to jujitsu. Not everybody practices it, but but yeah. there is one. I mean, you know, like it, it's like one of the things when you teach or you run schools is is or you're just a higher belt or you're newer, than, uh, you have more experience than somebody is. Like I usually in most schools or at least the ones we have, like we come down pretty hard on guys that are uh, bullying new belts, new guys, right? Like hey. But that doesn't happen too often. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, me and Doug and, and Shane, we joke around a lot about jujitsu. Jujitsu, usually, we, martial arts in general, the striking and kickboxing is the same way. It'll weed out your egos. It'll weed. And if it doesn't, you won't make it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I told you, there, you know, when there's some people who come in on their first day, whether or not they know that when you're very first. Do you remember the first time you rolled? I do, yeah. Okay. So, like, do you, Shane? Well, we had done kickboxing yeah. and fought, so it's, di it's different, yeah. The first time I rolled was actually 
probably three years before I started training. Oh, for real? Yeah, someone knew a little bit of jujitsu and invited me to the gym, and like I had no idea what I was doing. Just got rolled up in a ball. Yeah, and then you're constantly. And I didn't even tapping. think about jujitsu for the next couple of years until uh, Danny, until Danny right? showed up. Like it was all about kickboxing for the first year or so. And the deal's like, there's this weird. There's there's so much to it that's it's crazy. Mm. So I, it, what it makes me. I think the comparisons, like, so the gymnasium where all these guys come together and wrestle and do philosophy and poetry and, and have this weird cultural improvement center, if you want to call it that. Um, Jiu-jitsu is kind of like that. It's pretty close. Mm. We don't, I mean, Josh doesn't recite poetry to us after practice. But, <laughs> I mean, would. lucky you. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I mean, he could try. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's, so, it's so much different. I think in a lot of ways, and this sounds bad, I don't know if it sounds bad, and maybe you say I'm wrong, but I think there's something to be said that sports in America has lost its deeper meaning as far as why you should do it. If you, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in doing like football, you know, listen, like it's cool, I, I get it, but you got a scholarship, okay, great. Like, you know, I'm not, I mean, you, I guess the proof's in the pudding, right? What's the going broke rate for professional athletes? It's like over 80%. So obviously these guys aren't learning anything other than playing football. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I think there should be something deeper than just, why do you play in a team sports? Why do you, you know, jujitsu and martial arts still has that component to mm-hmm. where I don't, like, look, I competed and I did a lot over the last 13 years. I don't train now because my reasons for training now are primarily healthy to stay healthy uh, and also to help help with controlling my mind to accept the things I can't can change all that stuff gets tied in like there's guys I can't beat that's just part mm-hmm. of it I can work harder maybe I can beat them there's guys I can't beat doesn't make me better than them they're the same as we're all the same fish there's always another you know what I mean so it keeps me more grounded that's why I train yeah, there's a lot of. Oh, sorry, Josh. No, no. I, I was gonna say. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to go off with, uh, with that. But um, I was thinking about guys you can and can't beat. Right? It's like um, there's such a um, like there's a very clear food chain in jujitsu. But the great thing about jujitsu is there's always a wild card. Like you could always anybody can get caught any day of the week mm-hmm. if they're reckless. Right? I mean, like you tap me 99 times out of 100, and then I get a random heel hook. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. We know who's better, but there's always that there's always that chance, right? But the other deal is if you roll, so spar, if every time I roll with Josh or Shane, I'm bigger like that's the other thing with jujitsu is like right. there, there's obvious advantages in weight, size, speed, athleticism. But like if I roll with Josh or Shane, I'm a hundred pounds heavier than they are almost. Like I could probably if I had to slap hands, I could and it's like if my my mentality walking in to train with these two guys today is I'm just gonna beat their ass. I just wanna tap you out. I just wanna that's what I'm in it to do is win, right? Well, all I'll do is what I'm good at to beat you. I'm gonna take you down, be really heavy, never move again, pass your guard, try to mount and stay on there till you give me your back or I get it in right. I'll never open up again anything i'm not going to take any chances i'm not going to play a different style i'm not going to do nothing so it's like i tell kids all the time like especially as <clears throat> i really have to uh hammer this into the teenagers is look man you can come in here today and you can spank all these kids you're bigger you're stronger but you're not going to get any better mm-hmm. so what happens when those guys compete against the, what happens if i go and compete against a guy who's my size i can't take him down mm-hmm. 
now I'm, I'm done. Like I haven't practiced any off my back. So right. when you train, you have to open up and be like, okay, look, I'm going to play goofy things and see what happens. If you get caught, it's cool. If you lose, you lose, you lose. But that's the only way you can get better. Well, and that's one of the benefits of competition, I think, as well. It's like you could be the gym hero or, you know, you've, you've got your pecking order in the gym, but you'll never really <clears throat> understand how good you are in the grand scheme of things unless you test yourself against other competitors. Right. And, it's, and it's a whole new level of humility, right? If you think the gym is, is its own sort of microcosm of humility and, and ego checking, then going into the wider world and stepping into a tournament... I mean, it's a totally different level. Don't know you. Don't know him. You don't know what he's good at. You've no. never seen him before. It's a weird environment. There's, there's people watching. There's Twenty black belts. There. Yep. There's people you know? watching. I mean, there's guys screaming at you. Yeah. You had to make weight. You know what? In jujitsu, you weigh in and compete, so you had to make weight ten minutes ago. Right. So there's a lot of factors. The other deal is 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 well, well, this idea. So this the reason I was talking about this is this philosophy of like how to be humble to improve yourself even. If it means losing in practice, right? This, the thing that I think is really interesting about Greece and this gymnasium ideas is a lot of people doing it. To where the, the the population of us is nobody. I mean, there's 150 guys at the gym out of a city of, out of all of, out of all of Lubbock, 300,000 people, maybe, maybe, I bet it's less than a thousand that train. You know, for sure, maybe it's 600 people train. So what's so crazy is like probably we have all these lessons we've learned from training, like what I can control, what I can't control. I know how to all all the stuff we were talking about. But I but I scream at it all the time. It's like, man, if you could just make every kid in high school do this or in in front in if you had a jujitsu class or a wrestling class that was mandatory for every student, I just think that your bullying problems go away. I think your your a lot of your uh confidence problems go mm-hmm, away mm-hmm. i think because man the best guys all of us here the best guys in jiu-jitsu or, or, or fighting are normally not at, not athletic phenoms they're just guys that came in and got hit on the nose and kept going your athletic people who everything comes easy to them physically in sports when they come in and poet josh chokes the shit out of them they're like well, how what I can't do this. Like, you know what I mean? And they don't want to do it. They can't take it. <clears throat> but Josh, he's never, me too. I mean, I was athletic in school, but I don't think anything ever came easy to me. Right. But it's like, most of the time, guys that come in that don't have an athletic background are used to working hard for something. So yeah, it's the grind. Right. The losing isn't, un, I don't want to say unfamiliar, but... But you know what? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like he's a loser, kind of, right? Yeah. But kind of, it's like he's, you're not the football captain in high school. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so you, you're you down. Well, I'm training yeah. hard. Like, you're not the best one here. Okay, cool. I've never really been the best at anything, so it's cool. Like, yeah, or, just or knowing or how to physical keep coming stuff. back. Yeah. So I think that if you could – I think that's one of the things about Greece. It's so cool and just that, man, the it's part of the culture of this. So they obviously had to have learned the same lessons. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to. Because if you train correctly, so if these guys have wrestling practice, to train correctly and be the best wrestler, you have to open up and be humble and willing to make mistakes and like just like we talked about. You know what I mean? There's no way those guys, no way those guys could go in and wrestle. <clears throat> and it was just like, oh, I'm just going to smack everybody around and I'm never going to open up to get better. And just the biggest meathead's the best guy. There's no way that's possible because it's too technical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, ah, oh man, I just think that that being on a 
cultural level is amazing. I think it's super cool. The other question I have is, uh, so when they, we talked about pancreation, right? And how yeah. do you say it? How did you pancreat? Either way, either with a with a hard T, pancration. That's a lot cooler. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, kratos means power. So oh, pancration means the 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 contest, the the all powerful contest. So the idea is to completely. Um, dominate and destroy your opponent remember they had no rounds no rules right just well, I mean, no eye gouging and grabbing kicking to the balls or something generally like that. no eye gouging but generally you just went on until your opponent puts his finger up and put his finger up um which they would only do it you know in the most extreme circumstances some sometimes they just wouldn't um or you 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 make them so immobile or injured that they can't carry on that's the other Uh, thing that's prevalent and this is i have an idea about this too because when you train the kids that come from hard backgrounds parents aren't good you know nobody gives a shit about them they're the uh society's little crappy outcasts those kids that come into the gym or even the teenagers like uh, like a Nolan, right? Nolan, you know, he, these guys, you can beat on them with a stick and they won't quit. Mm-hmm. So, man, I just, because their life is hard. Well, I imagine life in ancient Greece is pretty hard. So I bet it doesn't surprise me. Like, the motherfuckers won't tap. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to break them. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I bet it was, I bet those, uh, those little pancreation games were pretty brutal, man. I imagine that played a huge part in why the Greeks were so good at warfare is because of their competitiveness in sports and basically the uh, pancreas is as close as you can get to battle without, without stabbing somebody without yeah. killing your uh, fellow citizen. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so there's some truth to that, although that connection has never been fully understood. Um, but of course, it's very likely that there would have been a crossover. And in fact, what you were saying to right. me the other night See, about think, how even when you're practicing, something clicks right. in mm-hmm. so that although it's not a real fight, you begin to behave as if... Your body doesn't... Well, it's like the first time Josh rolled, it's fight or flight. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're terrified. You and and that's very interesting on. because that provides a sort of link between the two realms that I don't think is articulated by the Greeks, but it makes perfect sense to me that they, they would have been doing these things at least partly in preparation for... Sort of like or, an exposure therapy. Well, like, it was part of their educational system. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, in the hoplite phalanx, ideally, yes, you just sort of clash together and push and then pull out your spear and stab the other person but in practice it wasn't going to be as Mm. as orderly as that and so you would necessarily need all kinds of other skills Mm. um, (coughs) to do that the interesting thing about pancration though is that it's a later development it it's not in the olympic list of events in the early days it's only wrestling and then boxing and then the pancration comes later when uh in the 6th century okay so there's a there's a definite um 
development, if you like, of the program of the combat sports. It was kind of like our, uh, ours too, right? Like we had boxing and wrestling and then MMA and kind of starts to ah, move yes, in later. It's yes, pretty similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right. Exactly. Yes. So it's very similar <clears throat> to that. Because MMA and, um, wasn't around in the 80s. You know no. what I mean? No, I know this because when I was writing my thesis and then turning it into a book, there was nothing for me directly to compare it to. Compare it to, and I, I did, I did things like visit the University of Illinois wrestling team to see what was going on, but, but it wasn't really parallel to the Greeks at right. all, and I only knew very vaguely about MMA when I wrote the book version this was in the mid 90s it was around but it wasn't easily accessible um and the new stuff that i've been sort of learning about fairly rapidly over the past two months (coughs) since i uh, employed him is that the what you're doing with the brazilian jiu-jitsu is actually probably closest of all to what the greeks did um, perhaps not in competition, but in their daily life, because every Greek male citizen would go to the palaestra or the gymnasium very frequently. And, train. and this is what they would do. And I, I, I begin to see what I think are, are very clear links there between this contemporary phenomenon and the Man. Greeks. And, and that's actually the basis of our research project uh, largely um, this is not something I would have expected um, it's very, I have very a very specific question for you about uh, ancient Greece so is there any evidence of uh, people fighting off their back like uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu players do uh, we call it playing guard when you're, you're not in top position you're but you're still attacking from your back like if uh, triangles, yeah, arm bars, back, uh, different controlling locks. the guy when you're on your back. Is there any evidence of that going on? Uh, there had to have been. That yeah. would be less likely in wrestling, I think, yeah. because you had to, your the shoulders of your opponent had to touch the ground in order to achieve a fall, mm. which was the main aim. That There may have been elements of that, but certainly in the Pankration, this would have been. It had to have been. In yeah. the you know Pankration, what I mean? like, you see people on, on the floor. I, I have a book. It's not a very good one, but it was done some years ago by a couple of Greeks, and, and they do go through different things from vase paintings, and they show... Is it that guy with the long hair? He's got the big poofy afro. And what's the second uh, you said it's not a good one, I'm like, I think I know what he's talking it, about. It, There's Pankration sort of books. Large, and he's well, a he's a Greek guy who's kind of like and he, there are, there are two of them there are pictures right. of the two of them and he likes to take pictures with his shirt off and he's got the big Greek afro kind of thing and I'm like this guy's no, kind of weird the, I don't think they <laughs> don't have, have their shirts, okay so good I, it might be better than <laughs> but it's but it's this kind of what book are you reading uh, yeah what book are you into Corey like it's, I'll it's show you guys it's weird it's weird guys like so the so the yes the, I mean there have been attempts to sort of codify this but more substantial study is needed i think and and part of the problem is that people who often write about these things are not they're not experts in greek sports right they may know a lot of modern stuff likewise you have experts in greek sports who don't know a lot of modern things and so um, yeah there's a gap for sure what we're trying to do is bridge this this gap in a way 
Um, so it's kind of a learning experience on both sides. But I am absolutely convinced myself, whether I can prove it or not, I don't know, or to what extent I can prove it, but I'm absolutely convinced that this is the closest thing there is to ancient Greek practice. Right. The, the One of the things we were talking about, and I've had this idea for a while because I'm a, like, I love military history, and I, I think the reason I like it so much is it's probably because of the human experience. I can't imagine the idea of like, well, I guess it's because I've grown up in a time where the way we make war is we do it from a distance, right? Mm-hmm. We have guns, we have missiles, tanks, all sorts of, and now we have drones and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like the idea of fighting someone to the death by hand with a sharp object is crazy. Like it doesn't make, it just doesn't register in my brain. And I think my, but people still did that in the Second World War. Right, and yeah. In fact, it was, I mean, my father used to tell me that it was only the Americans who, who, could, who could go and do hand-to-hand combat with the Germans I in know. Europe. I knew he that it the happened. Briti- the British yeah. were no good at that, but he said the Americans could actually do it. See, That's it, interesting. You would think from all the trench fighting in World War One, there would be a lot of, I think everyone would be pretty well-versed just a previous generation before in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. No, apparently not. Yeah, because like huh. I, I knew it had happened a few times because they talk about it happening on the uh, in Asia too, fighting Japan. That the Americans would get into it with the Japanese because they would the Japanese would do uh, charges with mm-hmm. bayonets and samurai Bayonet swords and they fight and... each other. I mean, it's crazy. But the the experience of like. Lock, and I love this stuff. So, like, locking into a phalanx, pushing into the opposing guy or the opposing city-state who you're pissed at for whatever reason that week. Um, you're exactly right. Yeah, there was always fought, a reason every week. They fought all the time. <laughs> like, if you read it, they fight all the time. And, right. it, and it's like when they... Bu- this is another little th- theory I have in my head. I don't know if anybody's ever... Uh, I think you have to pay me for it, Josh, when I tell you. But, um, uh, so, like... There's, I think there's ties and similarities or parallels between training jiu-jitsu and fighting for these Greeks, right? Because one is the more you do it, the better you get, mm-hmm. okay? Like we all can pretty much say that. Like if you, the more you do something, the better you're going to get. These damn Greeks fight each other all the time. Like when, and you stop me whenever I make a mistake because I might. So these city states would have a problem with each other. They meet, they make phalanxes, they settle this difference. One pushes one of the others off. They build a trophy. Uh, losers submit and they have some sort of written or uh, treatise type thing to settle this difference, right? They do this a lot. The Persians show up, they just don't have the technology. Like not technology, but the Greeks fought differently. They have an armored man and seventy pounds of bronze. They work as a unit in a phalanx, and they just kick the shit out of these Persians. They, the Persians don't have armor; they wear like cotton jumps, trousers. yeah, trousers and jump armor, right? And trousers were seen as effeminate. So now the Greeks got a advantage on them. Like, hey, we're gonna beat these dudes in pants. You know what I mean? So, so. The, the thing is, the thing that I was talking to David about, and I don't know if I've talked to Josh, I know I've talked to Shane about it before, is training jiu-jitsu or fighting, right? The first time you do it, for most people, for whatever reason, they know it's not life or death. They know it's not a real fight. But their brain doesn't compute it that way. 100%. Unless yeah. they have a grappling background. 
Right. Right. They've wrestled as a kid, you know, but anybody off the street, their brain doesn't compute it that way. I mean, they will grab you. I don't know if I told you this, David, or anybody listening. They will grab you so hard that they will literally exhaust themselves trying to hold, just hold you. Yeah. They won't breathe. They won't think. Mm-hmm. They will fall. They literally can become as stiff as a board and be rolled over mm-hmm. because they just, their brain doesn't compute it. <clears throat> they see it as a fight or flight mode. It's almost like you transported their brain 10,000 years ago and they're fighting over a hunk of meat or something. Yeah, right. I mean, it's that crazy. So you learn to control that. You learn to accept it. You learn to get better at it. I think from what you were talking about, the wrestling and the Greeks and stuff, practicing something that's very similar. I think the Greeks, or I think that this practice probably helps you in warfare. And my idea is this, is that if all of us got together and put armor on and shields and we went and practiced outside and did formation drills like they did, even if you had people to spar with, and you know we have 20 guys on this side, 20 guys, even if you spar with, there's no threat of violence. Like, yeah, you're you're playing it. I don't see how it would make people have that same fight or flight feeling that mm-hmm. tra- just rolling one on one does. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah because yeah. me and Josh are doing it together, and we know it's just per, for fun. Right. So they're not. There's not going to be a that fight or flight mode. Yeah. But when you. But so I think that this training allows them to be calmer, and they can drill and do these drills, and then when they do go to war. And do have to do it one afternoon for reals and try to kill somebody, that they're able to be more calm. And then you hear, I think Aristophanes, they have plays where they talk about people, you know, shit in their pants because of fear and stuff and the phalanx and stuff. So I think that like this experience they got and being able to be calm and stay in the moment and relax and hey, if we do what we're supposed to do, we can handle this and do it. Well, if you think about how the 300 Spartans held off. Right. So many Persians and killed them. It must have been in that fashion. As they came forward, they must have tackled them on an individual basis. <coughs> They're a lot um, better at making war. <coughs> because the you know, the Greeks don't use the bow and arrow. That's right. not one of their mechanisms. It never was. Um and so it would have been done on a hand to hand basis, basically. And they would have done that largely thanks to the sort of rigidities of Spartan training, they would have done that for hours and hours and hours yeah. while the Persians mm-hmm. foolishly <laughs> thinking, that, you know, trusting in numbers would have sent more and more and more of their, first their elite soldiers and then others, and they would continually be knocked down, cut down. And this would go on for three days, machine-like, like yeah. until, you know, the point where they were outmaneuvered and so <coughs> yeah. you're absolutely right that it I, would there would have been a a link between this and the practice of warfare but that's not something that has you know most ancient sports books will say well there may have been some connection with war but we don't think it was a close one, but I, I you know you may be onto something there. I don't think I don't think that maybe the Greeks. <coughs> necessarily practiced wrestling or pancration for or pancration this sounds a lot cooler um for war but i think without a doubt it would have helped yes you know what i mean no, i think and, you're right and the other thing is like but you <coughs> <coughs> dying shane the other thing is like like you know 
water over there if you all want. Alright, guys, I'm alright. I'm just um do what? Have a beer. Have a beer. Have yeah. a beer. What time is it? Shane thirty. And then the <laughs> so like uh the other thing is but this 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 warfare thing where experience and this stuff uh it seems to work. Is it it's not just I don't think that the way they fought then was just, hey, we're just who at brute force wins and whoever got luckier that day or even necessarily who had more people because like you know we talked about like i've ran this off on shane forever but like hannibal right hannibal goes his dad goes to spain he subjugates spain they're constantly fighting these iberian tribesmen or whatever so this army they have is in constant practice in real situations okay and then they come across and they they come across come down from the Alps, pop out, and just start kicking the shit out of these new Roman legions that aren't experienced, you know? And he does it over and over with less people. Well, he does it three major times, maybe four with less people. So you think about, like, they talk about some of the stuff. Like, one, his, he has a he has an ambush-type scenario on Lake Trasimene, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And so he comes down off of this. Like, his he basically hides 20,000 guys up in this mountain, under this mist and they're all perfectly calm enough to stay quiet and allow these romans to march along the rank, the banks of this riverbed and then it, he has people stop him at the the exit point and then signals everybody and they come and slam these guys into the water like how calm and experienced do you have to be like okay josh we got another 10 minutes for the signal and then we're gonna run down there yeah. and kill these dudes like hey yeah, be quiet be quiet like i i don't that's just amazing to me so the the um, the level of that experience and that calmness of, I think that the way these guys fought, if you had people that, in this parallels to jiu-jitsu, if you can stay calm, you're well-practiced, you're technical, you don't lose your mind, you work together, you will probably smash somebody else who does not. I mean, look how easy it is, like Josh or Shane, who weigh 150 pounds, I could probably bring a tech lineman in there and they'll probably choke him. If they can't choke him, they'll at least make it difficult for them to hurt him. They can mitigate him through technique, hang on to him, pull him in guard, control him. They're not going to get beat up, you know. And so I think that there's those parallels happen or, or did happen. Now mm-hmm. it's so different, you know. Now it's we use technology to kill people. But. Well, of course, the Greeks had no distinction in weight classes. Right, you yeah, know, that's crazy co- too. Well, it seems crazy to moderns, but yeah. actually in light of what you just <clears throat> Light of what you just said, it's not so. Well, yeah, in their side, it wouldn't make it wouldn't matter. Odd. They only distinguish by age. So once you reach the you know the right age category, anything, anything went, whether you were large or small, tall, mm-hmm. stocky. Mm-hmm. Your opponent was going to be your opponent. And, and I don't know how familiar you are with the UFC, um, but like the first, I'm uh, becoming four. familiar. The, the very first one, it was open I mean, weight it's, classes. It's the first... It was, uh, it was uh, yeah. open weight classes. You had... Um, it's like the first five, right? I believe it's, so. It's the first, and then right, they split like, it into a heavy, a very broad, heavy, very broad... I think it's like lightweight, lightweight and yeah. heavy. Was that yeah. in the late 90s? Or was yeah. That? When it first, mm-hmm. Like UFC 1, where Horst Gracie won. Horst Gracie weighed 170 pounds. The lightest guy Lightest in guy in the tournament. Um, I think his... Who did he beat? He beat, he um, beat Ken Shamrock, who was probably 220 and jacked. Mm-hmm. And had a he had some experience in submission wrestling. He beat uh, didn't he beat the big fat guy? The no, uh, the Savat guy. He uh, beat the Savat guy. Yeah, he was the one he fought. Uh, the Savat guy beat the uh, sumo wrestler. 
He fought uh, what's his name, Art uh, Jen, Jensen, the, yeah. the boxer, right? The Art one J- who the, came out with the, the guy, one boxing glove. This boxer glove. came out with one boxing glove <laughs> on his hand because he said that he would jab him so many times it would kill him, <laughs> and he got taken down and strangled. But uh-huh. that's a perfect example that if you come, if it comes to fighting, like one on one on one, right? Because jujitsu don't work against six people. Um, one on one, it don't matter how big you are, man. If you, know, it's literally the best comparison I tell guys, new people at the gym is if you don't know how to swim, it's the exact same thing. If you, if they put, you can take a tech line and I can give Josh and Shane one of these guys. And if you don't know how to swim, you're not, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to put your hands. You don't know mm-hmm. what to do. You and they're choking you. And they know what your reactions are, what you want, what you don't want, what you should be trying to do, and what they can do to you if you're not doing those things. Mm-hmm. You know? Why did they change the rules? Do you know? The com- there was the only um, way they would get accepted by the sports commission. Oh, yeah, the sports commissions. Yeah. They so, like, accept the, those UFCs were fought in, like, weren't they fought in Louisiana? Uh, the like, first one, I believe, yeah, the first couple were. It's because they were they were illegal. And they were only available on video. I remember, right? right. Because mm-hmm. it was seen as human cockfighting. Yes. <clears throat> so, like, uh, yeah, it's very. Uh, it, they had to do weight classes to make it a sport to be accepted. That's mm-hmm. capitalism, right? And the first, they, they ones, did it for money. There were uh, there were round times, but there was no limit on the amount of rounds. Am I, I correct? In that? Something like that. that. Yeah. There was there so. weren't any decisions. Yeah, there was yeah, no decision. It was, it was clear winners from submission clear winners. or oh. knockout or referee stoppage. So that's much more <coughs> that's much more authentically oh, yeah. Greek. Definitely. And didn't um when Boz Rutten was fighting in uh the organization Pancrase, right, was Japan. that did that come uh follow, shortly following the UFC? No, it was before if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Pancrase in Japan was before. I don't remember the guys that started the Japanese. Um J- Japan has a very strange martial arts as far as like MMA goes it has a different story like you know um so the idea like Brazilian jiu-jitsu is not a the way to strangle people the submissions the triangles the arm bars those are not necessarily new moves that they created they might have created them in Brazil but they had been going on for thousands of years like there's books of English wrestlers from the middle ages that are putting people in triangles and choking them and stuff so there's some guys uh, in England, and I think where the mixture happened was when the English started, you know, when they got into Imperial Japan and started doing business with them when they opened up. I think that's when the mixture started happening because Japan had judo and jujitsu, mm-hmm. and uh, guys like this catch wrestlers like guys named like Billy Robinson, um, Howard Gotch. I think his name's Howard Gotch, Carl Gotch, and these are. English catch wrestlers that went to Japan and trained these guys and like it's real it's it's like jujitsu but more of a brutal style that relies on strength more like they're ripping things and they want you to be big and strong and uh, man Japan just took it like everything else Japan does they take it and run with it so mm-hmm. then like Japan's wrestling WWE style wrestling if you watch it it has a bunch of real submissions that they play with like mm-hmm. they, they dramatize it but they're real moves you know, wrestling in America doesn't really have that, but um, it came from that. So I think that also played it. The catch wrestling in Japan also played into Pancrase because they uh, were like, "Well, let's have a real fight." Because those catch re- those WWE wrestler styles in Japan, they would actually do real fights too. So they would yeah. do show fights like for crowds and fun, and then they'd also do real fights like yeah. MMA fights. Like Sakura Rob is a catch wrestler. Yeah. Trained with Carl Gotch and Billy Robinson and those guys. Pancrase was, um, there were no close, <coughs> close fist strikes, right? It was all, I think, yeah. I, think I believe it was open hand strikes. <coughs> only. 
But the reason you you strike, and I think in those Greek vases for pancreation, their hands are open. Mm-hmm. The reason you strike with your hand open is because you'll break your hand if you throw it closed. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot better to palm strike the hell out of Josh's head than me punch his skull with my hand and I break it. Mm-hmm. So that happens in a... Um, What's the damn combat jujitsu that Eddie Bravo is yeah. doing? Open hand strikes. They're still knocking people out. It, it's it's not the the open hand doesn't. It don't change much for you as the yeah. guy getting hit. It just helps people me really underestimate how much damage a slap can do. Man, yeah, yeah they think hit by Wagner Hosha. Yeah, yeah, wait till he starts smacking you right. Like, oh my god. But yeah, it's the same thing. And uh, but yeah, what else I got? I had something else I want to talk about. Um. Pancreation. How, I, I, me and Shane were kind of kicking this idea around. I wonder how in in Greece, so at the Olympics, they competed against all the other city-states, or the ones that would come. Yes. Right? So if w- one thing about – how when did you start jiu-jitsu, Josh? How many years ago? Um, like three and a half. Oh, damn. You're gonna, I'm about to blow your mind, son. You ready? So back in the old days when me and Shane started jiu-jitsu <laughs> 10 years ago – you know, there was not this social media presence of, of jiu-jitsu. So back then, man, it was very rare. Like back then, you had to have a Brazilian if you wanted to be good. It was the only way. Because in Brazil, it was so prevalent and so many people trained that the competition and tech technique just... Right, well, competition always breeds technique hard because you have to win. So... The guys from Brazil were just amazing. It was the cutting edge of technique in jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu is always changing, always evolving and stuff like that. But 10 years ago, for the most part, everybody in the United States had very, I don't want to say basic because it's still very good. but uh, Very fundamental. Very fundamental jiu-jitsu. Everybody kind of did the same thing in every position. But now it's so different because now you don't even need a, you don't need a world class coach to get world class technique because social media is so involved now to where these guys that are really good can put their stuff on their videos and uh, it, you know Josh in North Carolina can do the same thing that they're doing in Los Angeles the cutting edge of jiu-jitsu is so it easy to learn off off uh, videos it is if you have a it is if you have a base like okay. if you know what if you know if you have a pretty solid base from all the positions all the positions are similar but if you're brand new yeah you don't know you won't yeah. even be able to see like i remember when i first started trying to watch videos yeah, you'd have to buy dvds like the movements don't even make sense like you don't see where they're putting their hands and right. like how they're shifting their weight like you can watch it, but you won't see that unless you have done it long enough yeah. to kind of have, have that intuitive sense of this is how that would feel to do. Like you can you can watch it, but replicating it, you kind of have to have a so. A this base is what in it. me and Shane were talking about: is because of social media, the 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 technical level of jujitsu has skyrocketed in ten years across the board. Like you know, before you know. You had to have a guy who was from Brazil who was a champion who could who could build champion students. Now you got guys winning championships that are from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, look at Europe. Like some of those guys, the European guys are monsters. Like uh, Wadarski and that other guy, they call him Viking. I don't know his name. But they're monsters, but they don't train with Brazilians. They train with other European guys. But the uh, the question I have is, or that me and Shane were talking about was, because Greece didn't have social media, I wonder what would probably be prevalent that 
is just us because we a similar sport 10 years ago is is I would probably be willing to bet you that every city state had a different style that's very likely because yes. because there there's um, no exchange there's no exchange there's no exchange like we have now because back then 10 years ago there were very selective styles like Douglas right his 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 coach Gudo is a from that generation and where he's very guard oriented which means he pulls guard he jumps for his back to play mm-hmm. to where you take another guy like Azanji Ribeiro from the same the same uh generation has a totally different style he has judo he wants to be on top he never wants to go on bottom he wants to kill you on top mm-hmm. so i would bet that all those city states had different styles yes and the the, the athletes would only meet Once, very occasionally right every two or four years at these contests damn that would be so um, cool to see <laughs> so there was an element of the unexpected and of course the role of the trainer becomes increasingly important right trainers could theoretically move around or exchange ideas but that doesn't really happen until very late in the hellenistic and even into the roman empire when you get sort of manuals and oh really things like that but early on in the early centuries that you're thinking about people would turn up from all over the greek world across the mediterranean so you could have uh, athletes coming from southern Italy, from the Greek colonies there, from the islands, uh, even as far as you know southern Spain and southern France, um, as as well as from Greece proper. So when they all met, it's a lot in the first, you know, like the what you called the the bullpen, Joshua. Oh, the when they're all jiu-jitsu? there for the first time, that would be really when they would actually see what the opposition was like. That's crazy, man. So it had an element of the unexpected and the unpredictable. And and that's partly why I think winning an Olympic victory was such a startling achievement. And that's why it gets celebrated so much in in poetry and other, other areas, because it meant that you had defeated everybody. That's a, yeah, from all over it's like the olympics now yeah, the it's Greek a big deal yeah without any pre-knowledge basically yeah you know Except yeah there, there was no uh i mean you said that there was no second and third place though yeah it's it just first right first, yeah i mean in, in unusual settings like sort of democratic athens they had some team sports and some prizes for second or third place but that's that's not part of the original aristocratic um Big festivals. They they remained winner takes all. The uh, and then at the uh, damn the Olympics for Greek there was it wasn't a spectator sport right there were they didn't did they build stands for these people to watch and stuff like that no I mean you could watch but there were no comforts for the spectators not like Rome not like the Romans the Romans like their comforts they like to be out of the sun they like water supply. Um, like to eat bread while homeboy gets yes yeah. and even when <laughs> even when they came to greece when they had taken control of the province they they insisted on you know seating being put in at the olympia and so on but basically the spectators in in the original period would just stand there in the heat and the sun and watch and watch for hours <laughs> on end so it was grueling for the spectators as well but this doesn't appear to have mattered at all it wasn't a prior the only special seats were for dignitaries or 
you know, a religious priestess or something. Everybody else just stood there uh, under the blazing sun like the athletes did. And it went on. Yeah, and then I think I read somewhere in Pancration the way they they would put a bunch of little pebbles or something with symbols, I guess, like letters of the alphabet on them, and they'd put two inside. And then you have like 30 guys come in and each person draws a pebble and then you fight the corresponding matching matching symbol symbol. and it would continue like that till the final completely random right and then they uh and then uh i read something about the ceremony they would like walk up and say a prayer draw or some shit i don't remember Mm -hmm. it was really cool and then they fought naked you you tap by raising your finger uh and yeah, and like you said, no time limit, no no weight classes. First one to and your body would be covered in olive oil too. Right? Why? Why is that? <laughs> to make it really hard, man. Like you can't get a hold of someone. Man, some guys <laughs> at the gym. I was yeah. I was while you were there the other day. I was talking crap to Philip because he lotioned up before he came in. I mean, it's <laughs> like you can't hang on to him, man. But the Greeks are hairy, man. Like Josh, you don't need it. Like, I put lotion on. I got uh, you. <laughs> ancient, ancient Greeks may not have been though. There. I mean, oh, that's a man. different. <laughs> um, you know, it had been real hard. There's a, there's, there are different reasons. One of it was probably that it was part of the training ritual to have the olive oil, maybe because it helped with the, with the, with the grappling. I don't know. But it would help with the escapes, that's yeah. for sure. And like, also there was dust on the ground, so oh. it would never be just oil. It would be oil and dust. Oh, well, then you probably could grip a guy. Um, but then olive oil has sort of magical, semi-divine properties as well, and we know that they would anoint their statues with olive oil. With olive oil. So it has a kind of mysterious... There are various possibilities. Also, if you think of them coming out first into the stadium coming out with their with the, with themselves covered with olive oil they would have been shining vaguely hero like oh, oh, okay. yeah, connected sense. with the gods it would have given them a kind of initial sheen i think shit but, i was born in the wrong time um, dude like and, really. and people have experimented with it and, and actually it's not that pleasant because it does make the body a bit warm right yeah because you uh, clogle it's like putting that a uh, sweet sweat on when you cut weight although it's better if you use olive oil than cooking oil because cooking oil actually does heat the heat the skin oh up my god <laughs> so I, I have colleagues in other universities who have experimented with that and um, the olive oil is, is sort of a neutral thing in terms of how effective it Randers your ability. But that makes sense. Yeah, they're coming, walking in all shiny and looped up. The sun hits them. Yeah. And then at the end, you would scrape off the the oil and the dust and the sweat from the body. And that was assumed to have um, magical healing properties. If it was America, they'd have sold it. Yeah. This is Shane's sweat juice and (laughs) grime from... The Olympics but, in Oi, like, damn, that's great. <laughs> but they, they thought it had sort of proto-heroic qualities, I think, because that's, yeah, to be an Olympic victor was to enter a realm related to the heroes. So, so you were, in a loose way, continuing a tradition, say, from Heracles, who was the inventor of wrestling, or Theseus, who invented Pankration, so to speak. So it, it was a quasi-religious yeah atmosphere as well yeah was, i was born in the wrong time it sounds so much more fun than you know playing on social media so. <laughs> i definitely yeah i'm not i'm i just 
don't get it. Well, this is why you need to study ancient Greek. And, I would and like to. I, I, I've thought about it for a long time. I told you I love Victor Davis Hanson, but I'd have to, I have to transfer and then come talk to you. Yes. We'll Hang talk. out with Josh all day. But here's another question I think me and Shane were talking about. How would those guys compare if you brought them to a jiu-jitsu gym? And now here's what I'll say, or my opinion on it, and then you guys tell me what you think. They would figure out to be technical because look at it this way. How, how long did they did they do this, David? Like how long did this sport go, uh, pancreation? Like from the earliest times we know they were training and competing to the the end. Hundreds and hundreds of years? Uh, well, at least uh, in, in a serious way, three or four centuries. Okay, then. so let's say 300 years. But it continues after that for several hundred more into right. the Roman period so as well. So let's say 300 years. How long have we been doing jiu-jitsu in this style of fighting seriously like in the most recent age? 20 years? 25 the years? most recent? Yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. They would have figured out these techniques, man. Like, they would have known that, like, hey, you can fight off your back. You can hold the... They're not stupid, right? They Like, because there wasn't some divine spark in the Brazilians that, Elio Gracie's a genius. He figured all this out. He just played around enough to figure it out. And you, the more experience you gain, I can instantly give it to Josh, and then Josh can give it to you, you know? So I would be willing to bet that they would probably come back and smack the shit out of some people. Well, there's, I mean, I was reading a, a paper that David gave me when we first started collaborating, and there's evidence, somewhat compelling evidence, to suggest that there was an ancient version of a twister. I believe uh, it. Like, yeah. I, I believe it, man. Like, I think I've seen um, uh, paintings of uh, ancient Greeks doing heel hooks, or at least one. I think you're right. I it think could I've have seen, been a meme yeah. that completely fooled me, and it was just a, Dude, a jujitsu meme, but it, <laughs> it seems... Like, it makes sense because, like, they had to have known that the knee joint is, like, the weakest well, joint the, in the body. Well, certainly in the pancreatio on anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, you were supposed to use the joints to win. So I, I, that be, would I make, bet they that had, like, whole leg lock systems. But the, deal yes. is, but the deal is, like, there's nothing special about the techniques that ev it simply evolves because yeah. of time and experience. So these guys have time and experience. Like, I, I really think they probably know all, would know all the things we know and they I, had a lot of time right I, I, and from the sounds of it they've probably had more training than we ever did because they started as young kids and did it forever and it requires no technology to right. like, figure out how the human body works no. and how best to attack it and it's, the coolest part about it for me would be every city state would be different yeah like Athens is a bunch of damn guard pullers and Sparta over there them <laughs> dudes they just want to be on top and Argos they're into that fancy shit you know what I mean I just like today right like yeah. it, it's it, I think it would be really cool well, and some trainers were better than others so, right so we yeah get, we do get names of trainers every now and then whose athletes were notably successful was there ever any emphasis on like uh other method how would you how would you say it like extracurricular act tra training to do this like i'm sure they did some forms of weight like cross lifting. training yeah cross training like weight lifting and hey all my wrestlers have to jog before you know what i mean yes the the, the evidence for the early period is not very considerable but in later times we have manuals we have training manuals oh, um, that's what i was going to ask you about that one that survives by philostratus which is a complete manual of athletic training when when did it how old is that's it? in the early roman empire 
but it's still it, it's Greek. Yeah, but it's going to be based off of our course, earlier stuff. Uh, and there are other th- earlier things, and it talks about diet, different body types, how to train different. Damn, I need to um, check that out. I, I can show it to you in the office. Yeah. There's a new translation finally, which cool, has come man. out. Cool, man. I never knew That's that. Awesome. Is actually so there is material there, and um, I'm going to show up with two wine jugs to practice <laughs> next week and just start doing curls with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we know that uh, there was the famous story about Milo of. Croton, who was a very strong and very successful athlete, and they they said that he began by carrying a a calf, a baby bull, around the field every day, and as Holy the shit. as the cow grew larger. Oh yeah, he, yeah I heard he, this. Yes, and you know these are anecdotes, but there's always a grain of truth in that, and so because he would carry it every day. And then eventually it got too big; he couldn't do it. Right, but he but, but this, he got stronger. This shows a kind of systematic at, uh, training, training, and also inventiveness in using what was available to them. We have large stones that have inscriptions, like you know, a boobone threw me over his head. <laughs> um, the, I was dropped on Josh's skull they, after he. But they carried rocks, or they had a, a, a basic sense of weight training they they must have had yeah you had to because um, it's com- it's competition you have you, to find a way to have an advantage but you have to put all this together from different sources because a lot of it's it not is there. fragmentary but there's also another going back to the war thing and the experience and the being able to stay calm and do all that like how i think making war is just the exact same as jujitsu as far as all the stuff we're talking about is i think there's a there's a story from where one, there was an Athenian that was on campaign with Alexander the Great, and he was like Athens' best. I can't remember if his wrestler, boxer, or something like that. So one of these combat sport type athletes, and he has a one-on-one competition in front of the whole army against Alexander's best guy, and his guy shows up in full armor and his spear and stuff, and homeboy shows up with a wooden stick and beats the shit out of him and doesn't kill him. Wow. Yeah, but he later gets uh, commits suicide because he got. Uh, uh, accused of theft, but but that part was cool. <laughs> but uh, but so yeah, man. It, but I don't. But you go to like if, I know you have to analyze sources. But why would the why would they lie about that? Because he beat a Macedonian. You think they'd lie in reverse? If it didn't no, happen, it's not you know? necessarily false. Yeah, I think um, it would be true because it's... if if they wanted to propagandize it, they probably wouldn't have let the macedonian lose to some right upstart athenian you know what i mean so it must have been cool like this dude beat his ass with a stick <laughs> but so this now I, the last thing well it's not last we go on forever but um one of the things i was curious about was the stuff you were talking about like why you had brought josh on originally for the poetry side because i don't know anything about all this stuff well uh, my my original thesis was on the 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 agon, which is the Greek word for competition. And I was looking at it in both poetry and, and drama because Greek drama is full of arguments back and forth, right. struggles. Um, Greek poets competed against each other. There was a, a sort of similar competitive urge and similar vocabulary used in literary contexts as there was in Greek athletics. Um, and my my original study was looking at the similarities between these. So what is there in Greek poetry that has athletic elements? And what is there in uh, Greek athlete, Greek athletics that has 
poetic elements. Um, and I, you know, I finished my thesis. I then published it as a book later. And I put everything away. All the other stuff that I had, I just stuck in a suitcase because I was basically done and had moved on to other things. Um, and then recently I had finished a period looking at Roman gladiators and all of that to the point where I couldn't really stand it any longer. So, so I was back looking at the Greek stuff. Um, and then I encountered Joshua at a talk where he asked a very intelligent question. Uh, we had a guest speaker. And so yes, I'm capable of that. <laughs> yes, well, you know, Josh, I have a master's every once in a while. <laughs> um, and then I just um, I, I knew his supervisor and said, you know, I'm looking for a person who could help me with Greek poetic stuff. And that student of yours seems relatively intelligent and articulate. Should I ask him? So I did, and then. Um, we met to talk about this and then that was where he sort of sprang on me unexpectedly i grope with men that he had um, <laughs> that he had the the other agon experience as well which completely changed yeah it the, gives him an insight yeah it completely changed the whole project you may remember it was, was wild yeah i was, was quite a, disoriented it was a, it was a really I had not strange expected, coincidence yeah. i had not expected that yeah. um What's the Greek word for that? There's a Greek. Uh, what is it? It's the. Uh, it's like providence, but I don't know what it's called. I know, it's serendipity. Like, serendipity. That's well, that's, that's, that's not Greek. Yeah. It should be. It's like two k. It's like fortune. It just suddenly sort of. Yeah. Uh, and that that really changed the whole dynamic of the of the project. So, then we began to talk in a in a more elaborate way about both mm. sides. So so then that's how we how, how started. Does, how it does is, it's entirely accidental. Right. And but most of these collaborations in my experience have happened that way. Yeah. Well and it's been I mean, just the, the kind of the fruit of our labor and conversations has been crazy to think about um I was thinking about earlier the similarities in between I don't think I'm crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> crazy in the best way. Um <laughs> The the similarities between the the Greek gymnasium and and you know the jiu-jitsu gym right is like um, we were talking about how the Greeks would play music while they trained right to sort of sit, like no stick. shit I didn't know that yeah so they would have a sort of rhythm keeping uh, oh well, we play music when we train yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly and then you go in and there would be stat like in the Greek gymnasium there would be statues of of heroes or um, coaches or something like that um, to commemorate them. And, you know, we have posters of Elio Gracie. You know, right, right. Have, like fighters or things like I that. Don't, it's like, um, I don't like Elio uh, well, Gracie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, most people do, right? I know. Yeah. So yeah. I respect the dude. But the, the similarities were really um, stark in many ways. And, and then this past weekend at Odessa, I was having like a like a live tweet almost with, with David of just... Competing. Uh, yeah, of just the process because David was curious about... How, what do you feel? How does the process oh, You should go? just go, David. It's, it's, a, it's a very... Jiu-jitsu, one good thing about jiu-jitsu yeah. compared to MMA is the environment's great. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 
And MMA like, is full of a bunch of shitheads. Well, and I would, you know, I would take pictures of the bullpen, you know, and like all the dudes lined up, or I would, you know, it was, um, or just kind of categorizing um, my opponents and this sort of thing, just detailing. And David's like, "Well, how are you feeling now?" And I'm like, "I'm scared shitless. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to wrestle anymore." Yeah, I was like, "I'm, I'm in a room full of wrestlers. This sucks. I'm gonna pull guard. Yeah, um, I'm gonna pull guard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pull guard and take still, away their weapon. Right. As long as we've done this, that's still a little bit anxiety inducing when you step into that." bullpen that's oh, true yeah. oh, it up. never it, even man it never goes away and it, it doesn't make sense to me why i still have it because it's like i've fought people before this dude we're just wrestling it's not a big deal yeah you're but not getting you punched just, in the face or anything yeah you're, you're not like, gonna get punched in the face in front of people hurt. like it's not a big deal and the other deal with jujitsu is is there is it's so crazy i i talked to the guys that compete about this to try to help them have be more calm it's, and you know, we talked about that earlier about how you know that fight or flight mode happens. What do you it, say to them to make them? More I tell calm? them like, okay, it's like if Josh, if I was talking to Josh when he's like, "Hey, man, I'm just nervous." Whatever he was telling you, it's like, look, it's the same shit you do every day. Mm-hmm. The only thing that changes is it's just a different person. It's just a different person in a different environment. If I laid down a two by four, or let's say a two by twelve, right, and I made and I put it on the floor and I made Josh walk across. Hey, Josh, walk across that two by four and don't touch the mat okay fine it's not a big deal if i elevated it 10 feet now there's different well shit Corey. it's 10 feet but nothing changed man nothing changed just the environment and the circumstances changed the deal with jujitsu is josh isn't but the other crazy thing is when you compete are you are you scared of physical harm no not, not at all, all. Yeah. you can't even you can't even articulate why the hell you're scared because it's your well, brain trying to like, you don't want to lose. I mean, it's right. really like, okay, you know, I drove two hours to Odessa. Like I killed a whole Saturday. Like my friends are there. You know, you don't so want to lose. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are some mitigating circumstances. You know, it's usually pride. Yeah, yeah. It, you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose to another guy. You don't want to. Like I don't. I all forever never wanted my family or friends to come to my fights because. I felt like it wasn't about them; it was about me, right. and I didn't want to lose in front of them. You know, and is not lo- is not losing more vital than actually winning? Would you say? Yeah, there's more lessons kind to of. be learned when you lose. That's right. true. You know? The other deal about winning is, or at least in my case, is when I and I tell the kids this too: is like with Josh, it's like, oh man, it's the same thing you do every day, just a different body in a different place. Yeah. So don't overthink it. You know, we roll hard, just as hard as you're going to roll with this guy. The only difference is, is now your mistakes and your it matters because yeah. in training, if I pass Josh's guard, ah, shit, he passed my guard. Not a big deal. Yeah. Over there, I pass Josh's guard, I might win. Your mistakes you count. Points, yeah. You know, yeah. the other deal about winning and losing is when you win, do you ever feel like you really accomplished anything? No, no, you just did what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Even when I win, I'm like, congratulations, great choreo. I mean, there are very few times. Cool. Like I could, like, I could name maybe two or three where it was particularly tough. And like a comeback or yeah, something, you know, like, like the, cool, the, yeah. those ones are great. But yeah, I mean, if anything, I was actually more angry with myself because right. I, there were a million things that I could have done better. I mean, I walked over immediately after my first round. It was a ref decision. And just to lay, yeah. Yeah. And I was I was pissed because I thought, you know, there's so many more things I could have done. I wish I had taken more risks. You know, it didn't look pretty, you know. I have stories. I don't remember any of my wins. I remember every single one of my losses, but I don't remember. I don't either. <laughs> now that you say it, I don't really remember I can, winning. Like I can tell you exactly how I lost. I Me mean, like, too. Oh, That's what exactly what I was gonna say. Is I can tell you to this day how I lose jujitsu matches, and because of, and this is why competition is so important. Because when you lose in competition, it will drastically affect the way you compete and train. 
So like, for example, I used to do, there's a bow and arrow choke. It's where you grab his gi. So if, if Josh is turtled, he's on his hands and knees like this, and I'm on his back, and I have both my hooks in between his hips, right? I have his back. But I'm sitting on top of him, kind of like I'm riding him like a pony. I used to do a bow and arrow choke where I grab his collar that's here around his neck and grab his his the same side pants and I roll over my shoulder. It pulls Josh back. I lock my feet and I start to choke him. Right. So I used to do this move all the time in practice. All the time, you know. I never really. How successful was I? I don't know because I wouldn't. Because in practice, if I if Josh pops his head out of the choke, he's on top. Not a big deal. Okay, so I can tell you to this day, I have not done that fucking move since because I had a competition in the finals at the Dallas Open and I was stupid because I don't cut weight for jiu-jitsu because I'm lazy. So the highest weight class is 225 up to whatever. It can be 500 pounds. So most of the time they're 350. So I'm rolling with this 350, dude. I'm up on points. I'm way ahead. I have both hooks in and I'm like, I know I'll just roll for this stupid ass bow and arrow choke. I roll, he pops his head out, now I'm on bottom. He wrist locks me with his 400-pound ass on top, where all he did, David, was grab me like this and go, well, other arm, I'm laying across the body, and cracks my wrist. I've never tapped to that in my life, ever, except that one time, because it's 400 pounds. that bastard was going to break my arm. Like So I've never done that move since, because that, in competition, when you mess up on something, you mm-hmm. instantly go... Shit, I'm never doing it. And I know Shane's last one too. Remember, you Shane had a match against a dude from AOJ, and Shane was up on points or had an advantage. Mm-hmm. No, I had a. Or it was tied. I was up on point. It was tied, and what happened was, is you crossed your legs in half guard. No, he he went for a, a clock choke, so I turtled from guard. Ba- yeah. I, forget I can't remember. And I what you and did. I pu- I uh to get out of the choke. I pulled half guard and gave him. And when he locks it, his and legs, when I did that, lost not match. thinking, I lost the advantage. Yeah, instead yeah. of just standing up, that's instead what it was. Sta- yeah. I should have just stood up. If yeah. he just stands yeah. up, you finish the ten seconds out. Shane wins, yeah. but because he made one mistake, and it's yeah. not necessarily a bad mistake, it's just something according that cost to the rule set. To the rule set, yeah. and yeah. the next time Shane's in guard and the dude starts to stand up, Shane will stand up with him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm not gonna pull that shit again no i mean that's like at the at the um last tournament here in lubbock is i got in the finals i got um double legged and choked out because i was prideful and i wanted to stand against a wrestler yeah (laughs) and like i you know and then of course when i walked out the the other dude's coach said uh Okay, watch out! He's gonna sit guard and leg lock you. So I was like, Nah, no, <laughs> I'm wrestling with you now. <laughs> but the- and then I got double legged and choked out. And so then, but then it pissed me off because then at this Odessa tournament, you know, I I didn't take any chances. I sat guard. I was yeah. like, No, I'm not gonna. I I know where my game is. I'm not gonna dick around. But you but know, it sucks though. The crazy thing about it is, is that the philosophy you imply, and I tell these dudes this too: the philosophy you imply for training, where you have to make, you have to take chances, you have to do things, yeah. you have to do it in competition too. Mm-hmm. It's like because Doug he likes to play on his back, so most of us play guard. But I don't. If I compete, I won't play guard. I'm bigger. I have a wrestling base, so I'm pretty good at that part. So I I like to try to take the guy down and be on top. But some of the guys are like, oh, I wish I could get better at wrestling. I'm like. Then you, you have to wrestle. wrestle. Like you have to wrestle in competition. Even when you're trying to win, you have to try. It's like, so if I take Josh to OSU and let him wrestle for six months and bring him back to the terms, like, well, I, you know, I better pull guard because I'm not that great at wrestling. Well, how the hell do you expect to do it? Like, yeah. you got to do it. You know it's what true. I mean? It's it's a hard it's a hard thing. Like, 
But I would bet you that all these things happened to, you know, to 2,500 years ago because they've been doing it longer than we have. Well, when I was asking, it has to be. Man. I was asking David when I was in Odessa. I said, you know, would uh, would the Greeks normally because the Greeks had to travel great distances for the uh, for to compete? Uh, yeah, to to compete. And um, did they have regional tournaments? David, like maybe like the Athenians have like a city championship or something. Yes, there would have been. So they had opportunities, opportunities to compete but, other than the big one. But they they wouldn't be similar because the big ones were so prestigious that they attracted all the best top, guys. And actually, to get into the big ones, you had to be qualify. You had to be training for a number of months, and then you had to go to a a town near the Olympia where you would be locked away for I think. A month with your trainer and all the other athletes and wow that's uh, and, cool too and then you marched along the mountains to, with to the olympic to the olympic site did you um, so when they put them there for a month before was were they training with their teammates like let's say josh was competing in the olympics do me and shane go to, with the coach to help josh yes you would you would go the coach would go with you and a couple of guys to train with him or would josh train with the other guys that he was going to fight against probably not oh okay that would I actually. Think, that, I think it was individual training with your, right, with your right. trainer, and, and presumably a couple of helpers, guys. Uh, yeah, sort of punching bags, as they call them, that, <laughs> that would be there. But you'd all, you all had to be in the same place, and that was a self-selecting group. And also, you weren't allowed to compete if you hadn't been training for, I think, ten months in your home city. So that all had to be verified and everything. So nobody got through who wasn't prepared. That's crazy. Did yeah. the, back to the poetry thing. Does when you read Greek poetry, Josh, do, is it similar in any way to what like goes on now? I guess so because it's a. Or no. Do you mean in the realm of like poetics? Is Greek poetry similar to modern poetry? Yeah, like in structure and format. No, or, no it's just totally no, different. No. Well, and Greek poetry too followed a, a very it followed a structure. So I think I talked to you guys about this last time. Right, because like, you told like, us it's like I didn't never know there was like we, did we talk about how how one could be better than the other? Well, so English poetry follows the rhythm of the English language, and so um. it was structured in such a way to conform to the natural uprising rhythm of English. And so Greek poetry, and David knows this better than me, Goes David, Greek, uh, American, uh, Greek poetry, it follows the pattern of the Greek language. And so it was um, structured in a completely different way, so much so that it's difficult to translate uh, directly and follow right. the, it wouldn't the, make same the same kind It doesn't of, make the same kind of sense. Right, it's, it wouldn't be like the, the same, have the same punch. Right. But also the, the, the conceits were different. The, the um, exact, like what they wrote about, it was different than necessarily. I mean, they had a lot more different types of, um, um, I mean, I guess we still have the ode, right? But there would be the Georgics, I think, which was talking about, it talks about farming, right? Or is that more Roman? Uh, well, that's, uh, that, that's a Roman. Oh, okay. Poem. Okay. Um, so they had, they're always talking about farming. Yeah, there's a, a, there was a sort of progression, at least in, I guess in, in ancient Rome, um, there was a progression that you had to follow. You had to you had to write the Georgics, and then you had to write um, I can't remember what else it was, but it's a sort of progression of um, of skill until you could finally write uh, maybe the epic poem or something like that, and so uh, to prove yourself. But anyway, it's a long way of saying that no, uh, it's very very different. <laughs> It is, but lyric poetry is not different. Oh, right. Yes, true. 
I've, I, I wait. So no, I, I actually never mind. I was gonna say I, I've read the plays, but they're not considered poetry, right? Yes. Like Lysistrata and uh, no, no, they are. They're 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 that's drama. considered poetry. Like so, Lysistrata and then of a different kind. What's like, the other one? The birds. Yeah, comedies. Yes. Yeah. You've obviously read a lot of the comedies, a little bit. Right? I love that stuff, man. I just don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm like a wandering redneck just in search for knowledge and all things old. But not all things old, because I have a very, I have a very peculiar. Because I told David, man, like, are you into medieval poetry at all? Like, uh, not really. Good, because I can't. I have yet to find anything about medieval times yeah. that's interesting to me at all. Yeah. Knights, don't, don't that's get me started. Cool. I mean, I stop at the end of the Roman Empire. You got basically. to, man. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh my god, I have a Western Civ class. I have two of them. I've had two of them, and it's like. I can't tell you the difference between the two, man. Once you got out of like Rome, it's kind of like, all right, yeah, the Ottomans, Constantinople, oh, no more Constantinople, whole bunch of Lombards and Franks, and ah, that's great, yeah, whatever. And it's really, until we story. get to Dante, I think Dante would be the the where my interest starts oh, again. Damn, Dante, oh, the Inferno guy. Yes, the Inferno guy. I I know that guy. Then uh, but I don't know, man. So like you guys are gonna what what, what were you what are y'all gonna try to work on now? Well, I mean this is a large project, right? That's it's going to take time. It's really cool that like, but it's a cool mixture. And we're always looking for extra members of the hey, team. Hey hey, so I so, know how to so watch out. I know how to wrestle and sweat. Uh, That's all I know how to do. But um, don't sell yourself short. No, <laughs> so don't sell yourself short. You hey man, the, the next dude, the next time we train, I'm gonna show up naked and oiled up stole my idea dude i'll tell you what would be cool dude you might you tell me if you think this would be cool so you said when they would go to the gymnasiums there's statues are they of gods or are they of former champs uh we don't know for sure but, but they, they, were. they would have had statues of various kinds probably heroes right uh, maybe patron heroes of the gymnasium heracles was a popular favorite there may have been statues of of famous former athletes as well but also of poets and philosophers so you would have this sort of surrounding gallery if you like of how, how did yeah. what would be the do you i don't know if you know like what would be the what would you call it like uh like i i guess for us because jujitsu is it's capitalism right we do it for money so like there's a very straightforward way josh shows up we hang out, talk a second, we do a warm-up, we do some skills, we spar, we finish, and then we hang out and talk again and leave. But we do that because you have to follow a time structure for money. So if it was more of a cultural thing, like, do you know what the, what would you call that, the routine? Like, if you yeah, walk in, do you, like, walk into the gymnasium, hang out, listen to some poetry, maybe train a little bit? Is it kind of like a, what would you call that, like a shopping like mall? Like a regiment or something? Yeah, is there like a specific, like, okay, when you show up to training at the gymnasium at six, you do poetry for an hour, uh, philosophy, training? It would be more haphazard than that. Just kind of what you want to do that day? It would depend, you know, there might be, you know, there could be a famous philosopher. Oh, yeah. There that day to talk about something. Um, I think it was probably much more haphazard, but it was... It was an ongoing activity. I think I and just answered my own question. You know what else would? I think you know what else would it would. Uh, 
Yeah, what were you saying? What were we going to do when you get sidetracked? No, 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 okay, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But the thing about that is I bet the personalities of the guys training would dictate what they would favor or not. Because for us, like oh, I'm, not sure. trying, I'm not trying to sound bourgeois, but for us three at the gym, we like this stuff. But there are also guys at the gym who would not give a shit. They would just want to wrestle every day. Yeah, right. So it would prob- that would probably right. play into it a little bit. And that's bit. really... Like this, like the group of meatheads over there. Like we wrestle every day. We're like, yeah, but Plato's here today. <laughs> I'm gonna go no, practice this, is, <laughs> this is exactly why we can talk the same language because you understand what right. I'm talking about with regard to the Greeks, as 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 he, as Joshua does. So that's just lucky for me that there are people who can actually articulate these things and ask these questions, right, and yeah. even answer them. Um, Right, it really so comes down is, to the idea of being complete. Yeah, yeah. that's what's yeah. so cool, yeah. but not everybody at the gym no. would be into that. I mean, it's really just the luck of the draw. It's entirely accidental that that we ended up here. Yeah, it's really uh, cool, man. Oh, so back to my gym. Yeah, what are we doing? I didn't know that. That would be a... But you're right, there's a lot of similarities with that, huh? Because there's pictures on the wall and, and in yeah. the training space and then the hangout space. It's, you have pictures. We haven't your, just been dicking yeah. around for the past. You have them here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have like Doug when you walk in. And actually, Coach has been on my ass for a few years now to put up a big picture of like one of my big fights and then one of his and then uh, one of Doug's. But I don't like having my face on. I don't like recognition. So I've been... He actually made my wife do it because Daisy's actually last week. He's like, tell Corey to buy those fucking pictures that put them on the wall. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You should do the one where you're flipping off the camera in China with your I face have, busted in. No, I don't. I wasn't flipping him off. I that was a, in Odessa. I guess Odessa. Oh, was it? I, lo- <laughs> I, I lost an MMA fight, and there's a picture of me with blood running down my face, and I'm pointing at the oh. the, the guy. But ten seconds before that, I got beat up. Well, I beat the guy up, and then I just lost. I got caught, and I lost. And so I'm sitting against the cage like, man, I cannot believe I just lost. And I was so tired because yeah. I got exhausted. And I look up, and the photographer's like got his big lens taking pictures of me in my moment of defeat i just look at him like, hey man you right there <laughs> but i don't have that picture oh. i only have that oh you okay. know what i mean so yeah but that uh would have been better he um did you lose that picture because i remember i seeing have it, it somewhere i think i have it but like uh that definitely needs to be on the wall <laughs> yeah i'm gonna put that one on the wall but the deal is uh i mean that's here actually similarities huh? because similarities. those guys would put it makes sense that like if josh and Greece was a, a, a or in, in Athens is a Pancration champion or wrestling champion. Of course, he'd have recognition because that that stature or something. Man, this is Josh. This is his. Uh, mm-hmm. It gives the other guy something to strive towards. Well, too, you know. And also, if you think about it in broader terms, there's no inherent difference for the Greeks between the art that would be on the wall or the sculptures and. Mm what was actually going on in the palaestra that was also a form of art mm-hmm. what's palaestra uh, uh, sorry the wrestling oh wrestling okay ground. cool so as they were wrestling with each other the male citizens in athens or wherever it happens to be that was a form of art basically mm-hmm. not only yeah, the yeah. sort of perfection it, of the, of the body is, but also in the perfection of the moves it is and, today too well, I uh, and that's why we've yeah. been talking about things yeah. like we've, we've been talking about a grammar of movement and uh, the relationship between language and um, what, what actually goes on because mm-hmm. you know Plato's philosophy the whole Socratic method if you think about it is a series of moves and counter moves 
right. when Socrates, right. who, yeah, the, you know, is kind of... questioning, a, questioning, questioning. Kind yeah. of an arsehole, sort of continually outwitting right. his opponents. How do you know, how do you know that but, shirt's black? <laughs> yes, but that is just a different manifestation of the same basic skill. Yeah, it would be the same in jiu-jitsu. Like, how do you know it works? Well, I have to do this. Well, what why? is? Um, how do you do that? Do Josh, uh, Josh Waitzkin, what's his book? Josh who? Uh, Waitzkin, or I can't pronounce what's his last the, name. What's the book about? But um, he uh, was, Max knows him. Max is his friend. He wrote that book. Uh, oh, The Fighter's Heart? Fighter's Heart. Fighter's Heart. So he, he talks to The he, Fighter's Heart and The Fighter's Mind. He kind yeah. of talks about a lot of this because he was a, a child chess prodigy who got into uh, martial arts no, later on. Right. It's a very interesting book because he, he draws all these comparisons between chess and jujitsu, mm. and uh, I believe he did a, a a style of Chinese martial arts. He did uh, a lot in that book, yeah. Uh, I, I think the whole premise of the book is he goes and trains and immerses himself in about four or five different mm-hmm. martial arts, and he he takes somewhat. Uh, it's not so much about the sport themselves as much as the philosophy that's the, involved. The philosophy in each of one. learning and becoming. And they're all very similar, it. yeah. It's human nature, apparently. That yes. like there's a striving for like. A, that wasn't the fighter's heart. Uh, fighter's fighter's heart was um, that was someone else. Oh, it's not. It's not the yeah, one you're talking about. No, uh, this one. I think I, I'm pretty sure it's. The, I'm gonna have to Google it. I believe it's either the art of learning or. I'll Google it. Yeah, I'll keep I, talking. The, the I'll fighter's find heart sure. is the is the same I know style. Which, yeah, which one you're talking about? He goes about. and trains in Brazil. He goes to do. He went and did Tai Chi. He did boxing with Andre Ward, who now mm. is just retired as a champion. But at the time of the book, he was a Olympic mm. uh, comer or something mm-hmm. like that. He was an amateur still. One of the best. Yeah, it, it didn't. Poor Andre Ward. It's sad. He just never had anybody good enough to give him a good fight, except that Russian at the end of his career. Uh, Art of Learning. I haven't heard. I, I know the book, but I hadn't read it. I mm. think we we passed this around. I believe. Oh, damn. When, uh, because either I think Danny told me about this book. No, I, um, I read it very early in my uh, jujitsu training. I know I, I'm familiar. I just never read it. I think I think you're right. I think Danny did tell mm-hmm. us about it because he he trained under Marcelo. Right. Yeah. That's oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Josh trained under Marcelo a little bit. Did you know I'm that? Wearing shirt? Marcelo on my shirt. Yeah. I like yeah, you, Marcelo. I think we man. talked about it last time. Okay. It's a really really fascinating book. Um, like kind of breaking down uh, martial arts in a way that uh, hadn't really read before. Kind of going back to that uh, concept that we've been talking about this whole time about being a whole complete uh, human. Interesting. What we should do is we should make a gym with columns, a sand pit, and then statues of us naked. <laughs> That'd be a pretty cool gym. Oh God. It would be a gym. Maybe not the us part <laughs> statues, but I, I would, you know, like I'm such a no, nerd. I've that. always, I don't really think I want to, there was a time I used to think like I wanted to open my own gym eventually. And then like, maybe I, I always want to have two jobs. I don't like having just, it's not that I like having just one. I just feel like my time's wasted, but I've always, oh, I'll open a gym, but I swear to God, I've always no. been like, how do I, come, how do I figure out some Greek theme to make into the, <laughs> to the name of my gym? Like. Like uh, or uh, well, that would be easy. Style. You just sort of look through names and I know, but them. there's so many badass things. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? I'm like, that's a great like because you know the the played out one is like Spartan Jiu Jitsu or Phalanx, yeah. and they you all want have something that. like Diomedes or one of the yeah, yeah that's that's cool. the best. or like uh, or I'll, Milo the Great. Um, I was like, I like uh, oh man, what was the one I was going towards? You know, like Phalanx has a company 
uh, jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. clothing phalanx clothing jiu-jitsu company, right? Yeah. right yeah they have a jiu-jitsu one so phalanx is taken but uh i've always been like i gotta figure out some cool way with the, to do we that. went through all this um years ago when you and i were kicking around the idea of doing a, a gi company oh yeah we were talking we, we were went thinking through, like, about the doing, whole gambit we were thinking about doing Roman like names. different gis for each ancient civilization that yeah. wrestled Mm. So you'd have an Egyptian gi or a Greek gi or a Roman gi, but we'd have ran out of material pretty quick. Oh, we'd yeah. have to come back and do 2.0s. And now everyone, there's a thousand gi companies. Yeah, yeah. Back, that that was back the then there was thing, like dude, ten five. Years, ten years ago when we were talking, there was just three, mm. three or four, and now there's a billion. But uh, I don't know, man. What else y'all got? Anything, anything? I had a lot of fun. Yeah, this was this is really fun. cool. This is definitely our best episode. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun. We're gonna have man. to delete all of our other episodes and like start, start with this over. new stand. We set the bar so, like, so hey, look high how good we one. are right out of the gate. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, and the room, man, the room is so cool. I will have to put pictures up to show them, but I can't believe this shit is so cool. Yeah, I'm really happy with it, how it came together. <laughs> I kind of just want to hang out and move in here. Little devil guys. Where'd you get the devil guys, Shane? Um, those um, I actually got at an antique store in Austin, but they told me they're from Mexico. And then, like, I like the old, the, the Greek head lady. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's from the home goods store. That's all right, man. It works. <laughs> it works. Yeah. No, you, yeah, you got to have plants. It's cool. That's yeah, something yeah. I'd never think of. And then we got the skipping church light. That's, That's really my cool, favorite man. part of the whole room is that little light up sign. That's really cool. And that thing over there, the the box chain, it's an old post office box, right? Yeah, that's actually yeah. Um, my uncle uh, made that for me. I've had that since I was probably four years old. My post office and uh, ropes still has them. Really? Yeah, I still use it. You have to have a three-letter code that you have to... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, mine's BFI if you ever want to come check my thing. <laughs> but you don't know the box number. You're going to be there a while. <laughs> all of our listeners are going to be lining up at the Lining up at our, yeah, all six of them and half of them are in this room. <laughs> But man, David, man, I really appreciate yeah, coming appreciate on. It was a lot great. of fun, man. Fun. Hopefully, we can do really it again awesome. if yes. y'all want. It was fun. Yeah, Thank you very much for inviting me. I Absolutely, it. anytime. We'll have to do it again when you're uh, when you're on Tech's campus. Oh, and yeah. in the library. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I was, I don't know. I was talking to Daisy about that yesterday, so yeah. it's coming up in like two months if I can get on. So that's the plan, Stan. But we'll see how that goes. I'll probably get in trouble. Yeah. Well, no, definitely get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but what? So what number is this? Fifty three. Um, I'm gonna make this one fifty two. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, because we can just this, put this, this one right number out. One. Dude, that's the other thing about <laughs> what I was talking about. It's just like ah, I've got to be better, so that way we can just finish and publish it. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, but well, it was fun, man. Yeah, had a good time. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, thank you, David. Thank you, Josh. Uh, thank you, Chelsea, for, for bringing this room school. together. Uh, remember to uh, check out our Instagram, check out the Facebook page, uh, give, give us a review on iTunes. We appreciate that always. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. I always say that, but you'll hear us next time is really the more accurate thing to say. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Yeah. We're watching you listen to us.